We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo sports talk and more. I am your host. Patrick Moran, thank you very much as always for locking in. Whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, or whether you're checking us out on the video side via YouTube, I appreciate you all very, very much. I hope you had an excellent Christmas. Um, this is dropping well, on the video side late Christmas night, but for most of you, We'll be listening to this on audio. Hopefully, anyway, you'll be catching this sometime relatively early on Tuesday. Uh, I am taping this actually probably mid-afternoon on uh, Christmas. Got some family stuff to do in a little while, so I wanted to make sure I squeeze this in. We didn't have an episode for Christmas. I just kind of felt like that was pointless. I don't know a lot of people out there that are looking to listen or watch podcasts on Christmas. Maybe some of you are, though, and hopefully... You found what you were looking for. But anyway, um, I enjoyed it with the family. And uh, like I said, now I'm here for a short amount of time. This won't be a long episode at all. And then uh, get you on your way. We will, in just a couple of minutes, by the way, talk about the Buffalo Bills, a very big victory on Saturday. And I kind of want to hit the point that I know there's a lot of people out there who watched that game. Um, just a complete stress factory of a game, myself included, but within literally minutes of that game ended, I was satisfied, completely satisfied. Certainly not a game for style points, certainly not the kind of victory a lot of people were expecting, but I'm going to talk about some stuff in just a few minutes, how looking back now and having the power of hindsight that maybe we should not have been so surprised. And most importantly, and I'll go into a couple of details in just a few minutes here. I feel like the game that the Bills won on Saturday, a close, quite often ugly game, quite frankly, I feel like that's a game that the Bills absolutely positively find a way to lose 
if it happened six to eight weeks ago. A different Bills team right now, and we'll talk about that in, in a couple players specifically that I want to talk about who really anchored a, a big, 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 obviously, Buffalo Bills victory. We'll kind of spend a few minutes talking about where the Bills stand right now in relation to the playoff race, and we'll set up uh, the rest of the week here for the Bills and for this podcast as well. I'll get into that stuff in just a, a few moments. Like I said, this is obviously, um, well, for you, the day after Christmas, me taping this on Christmas. And uh, I just, I, I really hope, and I want to sit here and preach. You know, I had a Fan Friday episode and somebody asked me about personal and podcast goals. And I kind of went into like a 15 minute little spiel about um, some of my personal goals over the last couple of years. And I met all of it. And by the way, a lot of people reached out and told me that they appreciated me being open and honest about some of the struggles that I've had over the last couple of years. And I really appreciate that. But anyway, that's not going to be uh, what today's about. You can get away with that on a podcast, a sports podcast, maybe once in a while, but you don't want to start becoming, uh, you know, I don't want to be too preachy, stuff like that. I might start losing uh, some of y'all. But anyway, I, I really do. I, I sincerely hope that you had an excellent holiday, that your Christmas Eve was great that your Christmas was great. Um, I had a great time. Typical stuff here for, for, for my family. Uh, Christmas Eve is spent with my wife's family, a very large family gathering, 30, 35 people. This is an annual tradition. Although the last couple of years, of course, have been kind of um, messed up because of weather and, and other factors. You know, last year, of course, there was a blizzard literally on Christmas Eve. So that wrecked you know, everybody's Christmas for the most part. Uh, two years before that, COVID was a thing. So anyway, it's nice to to be able to get the, a large family gathering together again for Christmas. And I think my word of the day throughout this episode, whether it's family, whether it's the holidays, whether quite frankly, it's the Buffalo Bills right now, the word is gratitude. And I have a lot of gratitude today towards my life, towards the people in my life, towards my family, the most important people in it, and towards a a football team that I am a fan of, that I don't try to run from being a fan of, and that I cover and attempt to cover as reasonably objective as I can on this show. I'm going to get into the gratitude part with the Bills in just a second. But anyway, you know, so I'm just looking around the room on Christmas Eve, and I'm just I'm learning to really just have more gratitude and just appreciate things and not to take them for granted. So that was fun. It was a lot of fun to be able to be around that much family. Then on Christmas morning, our tradition is, well, it used to be our tradition. Um, my wife's parents would come over in the morning and then my children who are no longer children anymore would open up gifts. Unfortunately, um, my father-in-law physically just really can't get around much anymore. So that hasn't happened you know, um, didn't happen this year in the last couple of years, like I said, because of other factors. But anyway, so that wasn't this year. But both of my children, um, who are now adults, my son just literally turned 21 this past week. My daughter is 25. My son still lives with us. My daughter lives with uh, a boyfriend. Anyway, so um, lots of changes from last year, too. My son is now with a girl that he is head over heels in love with. They've been together for pretty much a full year. They kind of hooked up last new Year's, So it's been a full year for them. So they were together and my daughter was over, came over with her boyfriend. And I just started thinking while gifts were being opened, 
just how much could change in one year. And I really wanted to focus on that. Again, not taking these moments, these beautiful moments that we get to spend with our loved ones for granted in any way. And just, uh, like I said, gratitude and not taking any of it for granted and thinking things are always going to be the same. Because as my kids were opening up gifts today, I realized just one year ago how different things were. And again, forget about the weather aspect. I'm not talking about the blizzard. You know, we were all still under the same roof. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is a year ago, my son was single and wasn't with anybody. A year ago, my daughter was in a relationship, still a long-term relationship with somebody else. And then today on Christmas, my son is with his girlfriend and they bought each other a ton of gifts. And it was really cute to watch them open up each other's gifts. And my daughter is very happy with somebody else that she lives with and they were there. And again, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, just one year ago, how much shit changes. And I'm sure for a lot of you watching or listening, you've gone through the same thing, whether it's somebody else's in your life that maybe wasn't there a year ago. In some cases, unfortunately, sadly, maybe some people who are around your Christmas tree a year ago are no longer with you, whether it's because of a relationship or something that didn't work out, whether it's because somebody passes away. It's just, I don't know. I just, I've really focused this year big time on just having gratitude for, for what's in front of me and just appreciating moments um, a lot more than I ever have. That's, that's like my focus every day when I wake up. I'm just trying really hard to have that. And it was. And what a great Christmas. Again, to be able to be with loved ones and, and open up gifts. And I'm not the kind of guy who's going to brag about anything that I got my kids, which was plenty. But I just, I don't know. To each their own, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who posts photographs of their Christmas tree, you know, full of gifts or every nice gift that my wife and I got for one of our kids or whatever. But I'm going to have a little bit of a humble brag, man, because my fam did good on me. Uh, two things I got to show you. Number one, and then we'll get into some Bill's talk here. And I know some people can't see this on the video side or you can see it, but not on the audio side, but I'll, I'll describe it. I got two really cool gifts from the fam that I'm pumped about. I'm really proud of. Um, over the last two years, I think or so, yeah, two years ago, I got a record player for my daughter. And ever since then, I've collected records, pretty much all old stuff. Like I don't buy no new records. I just think that shit's whack because I think of records and I think of being a kid and I think of my, my parents, their their records when I was a kid or my own shit that I like from the 80s. So pretty much all the records that I get are from the 80s or older. Um, Anyway, got hooked up with a best of Sam Cooke album. Sam Cooke is one of my favorite musicians of all time. And even though it's Christmas morning, I was playing Christmas music. I did pause it for a good 45 minutes to be able to, to put that LP on and enjoy it. So I got that. And then here's the cool gift. Got this from the fam too. Now store 716, got to give them a shout out. And, and I, maybe there's other stores that carry the same jacket too, but I saw this first over the summer, this past summer at store 716 in Depew on Olmstead uh, off transit. Love that store, by the way, so much cool shit in there. Um, I almost wanted to pull it. It's a jacket and I really wanted to pull the trigger on it and buy it. I just could not bring myself to spend that much money on a jacket shit ain't cheap anyway uh my my fam hooked me up man did not expect this but the jacket that i liked for a long time it's got that old school vibe hooked me up with it man 
old school Buffalo logo with the B on it in the front. Buffalo football on the back. That shit is tight, man. I cannot wait to wear that with a uh, with a T-shirt. I'm going to look good at the club or the bar, wherever I go to when I have that jacket on. So huge, huge, huge shout out uh, to the family taking care of me on Christmas. All right, let's talk because, again, I don't want this to be long. Let, let's start to get into uh, Saturday's game. Obviously, if this was a, a normal week, we would have been doing a live post game certainly by the next day. But with it being Christmas and the holiday, wanted to wait until uh, till today. And I'm sure to some extent it's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Let me start here. I did a show last Thursday with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. And both of us picked the Bills to win, as probably did everybody in America pick the Bills to win. That's not a surprise. But again, and I keep using that word hindsight, having the power of hindsight, Anthony kind of was a little bit more guarded about this game. You know, talking about a potential trap game and talking about a team that really didn't have much to lose, the Chargers. While I was just completely dismissive, you know, the Bills had just rolled Dallas. The Bills the week before that went into Kansas City, got a big victory. Bills are rolling, and all week long, we t- you know, we kept hearing, not just from Buffalo, nationally, the Bills are a team that nobody wants to play right now, which is true. So during the prediction portion of our episode last Thursday, our preview prediction episode, I completely dismissed the Chargers. I mean, I gave them zero chances. I don't remember what I had as a final score. I want to say it was like 34-10, something like that was my prediction. Where Anthony picked the Bills, but in a tight game, and he was far more guarded than I was. And it turns out that he was right. And as I sit there and I reflect right now, which is why I'm not stressed. I mean, I was certainly stressed to the gills during a game like all of you. But within minutes, I'm like, you know what? This is okay. Just get the W because this game had like every single element that you could ask for with a quote unquote trap game. And I should have seen this coming, but I didn't, but I should have seen it coming. Um, first and foremost, sounds corny to say, yet it is true. It's not easy to win in the NFL. And it's especially not easy to win on the road in the NFL. We looked at a Chargers team that had lost, I think, five out of six a team that got absolutely humiliated and embarrassed by the Raiders, gave up 63 points, saw their coach get fired, saw their GM get fired. So again, just easy to assume that the Bills would go into LA and just completely roll them. But it's not easy to win in the NFL, and it's especially not easy to win on the road. So it kind of discounted that. It was a short week for the Bills. I mean, they played late Sunday afternoon against Kansas City or against Dallas, I'm sorry, at home. And then they had to travel all the way to the West Coast, to California, to play in primetime on Saturday night. That's something that we should have taken in consideration. Another thing, silly as it might sound, it is Christmas week. This was Christmas week. And I know these are professional athletes with jobs, but, you know, they're also human beings, man. They're human beings. And throughout the week, you got Christmas stuff going on, family distractions, which is not an insult towards family. It's life. They're human beings. Stuff goes on Christmas week. These guys want to get Christmas shopping done. They want to take care of their families. They want to 
spend some time with their families, knowing they're going to be gone for a nice chunk of the weekend, a Christmas weekend. So that human element of it being Christmas, going to the West Coast on a short week, the, the personal lives, the, the, the distractions that come with that naturally, that was a, a factor too. And then they're playing a team with an interim head coach, first time, and new energy from that. You know, they're playing a football team that had nothing to lose. Nobody expected them to even compete with the Buffalo Bills, let alone upset them and beat them. Nobody, you know, saw that coming. So there was zero pressure on the Chargers. So, I mean, you get all that. The travel, the the, the West Coast, Christmas, uh, playing a team with nothing to lose. Nice and loosey-goosey that team was. And they played like it, too, for, for a lot of the game anyway. And then the Bills are heavy favorites, which if you've watched the Buffalo Bills this year, the Bills have not exactly um, been a great road team this season. And the Bills, unfortunately, far too often this year, have played down to their level of competition. So you add all that up, and I'm telling you right now, this was the classic, the, the prototype for what we like to call a trap game. All the elements were there. We should have seen it coming. Doesn't mean we like it, but we should have seen it coming. So we're expecting most of us were. Um, maybe some of you out there watching or listening were expecting a, a close one-score game. I don't know. But I think, I feel like the majority of us thought that this was going to be a two, three, maybe even a four-score Bills romp and was not that at all. But I'll tell you one thing, and this is, again, before I get into some specifics after the break, which I'm going to here, this was, to me, the biggest, my biggest takeaway from this game from a team standpoint, from a team standpoint, not a, a specific individual standpoint, but from a team standpoint, my biggest takeaway from this game is this. I think the Bills lose this game if it's playing October. I really do. This, to me, could have been the uh, the Denver game. This, to me, could have been the New England Patriots game or the New York Jets game in the opener where the Bills turned the ball over three times. They lost a turnover battle, 3-0. And they're on the road, and they find a way to lose a close game. I feel like in October, they lose this game. And that's why I actually, within moments, and I mean literally moments, once I was able to excel, because it was not until the very end of the game, literally the end of the game, before the Bills were able to, to put a wrap on this one, folks. But within seconds of that game being over, I instantly felt better. Not that the Bills played well, because they sure shit didn't. And I mentioned all the factors but because I just felt like this was a game that this team loses just a short time ago, and they did not lose this game, and that was big. Quick break, come back. I'm going to talk about some of the individuals that I think saved the day, quite possibly saved the season for the Buffalo Bills. Maybe a couple guys that, quite frankly, we don't talk about enough. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back recording here on this Christmas afternoon, kind of putting a bow, so to speak, on the Bills. Much needed uh, victory over the Chargers. I almost said convincing because my mind was trained all week long to say a convincing victory over the Chargers. Certainly not convincing, but a damn important game. Um, This leaves the Bills in really good shape going forward. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. But let me say this, man. The focus all year long with this football team, and I think it's time to to start somewhere else with this episode. You know, pretty much on a week-to-week basis, not just me, most shows that you're watching or listening to, it's the same formula for good reason. Because people want to talk about the offense. People want to talk about the quarterback. And people want to talk about the coaching. Whether the Bills' offense is good, bad, or slightly indifferent, that always seems to to be the primary talking point. How Josh Allen performs. What Stefan Diggs did. Um, What Ken Dorsey, what kind of play calls was he making? Was he good? Was he shitty? Getting fired. This new team under Joe Brady, running the football more. Sean McDermott, the good, the bad, the ugly. And there's been plenty of all three with Sean McDermott this year. Those seem to be the primary, like the first half of show talking points. And then later in the show, we start to transition into talking about the defense. Well, I'm going to tell you what, at least today on this day, this episode, I need to start with the defense because the Bills defense bailed, uh, possibly bailed the Buffalo Bills 2023 campaign out with a strong, strong showing on Saturday night. And there's three players specifically that I got to talk about um, individually. Number one, Ed Oliver. I also want to talk about Rasul Douglas. And I want to talk about Teron Johnson. These guys are stars, man. They are stars. And Ed Oliver specifically, he had two sacks in this game over the last three drives. He's up to eight and a half sacks on the year. 
Uh, he was setting up other guys on a defensive line for, for pressures and sacks. Just a, a phenomenal game for Ed Oliver. With Daquan Jones out or not back yet, hopefully he will be back Sunday, but he's not ready. Jordan Phillips, of course, put on IR, so no Jordan Phillips. Ed Oliver really needed to step up, even more than he's done most this year, and he certainly did that on Saturday. I thought this might have been his best game of the year. He played 79% of the snaps, which for a defensive tackle, especially in a Sean McDermott rotation where he loves to get everybody close to maybe 60, 40 to 60% of the snaps, it must have made Sean McDermott cringe that need to have Ed Oliver play 79% of the snaps. But that's what it took on this game. And Ed Oliver was up to task. You know, my, my thing about Ed Oliver, since he's been a Buffalo Bill, since he came into the league, has been, at times, this guy looks damn near unblockable. He is a splash player, and he's an impactful player. But there's also stretches, long stretches, where up until this year anyway, I feel like Ed Oliver has, by and large, disappeared. I feel like that's happened too often, quite frankly. I remember going on tirades back to last year's playoffs against Miami and especially Cincinnati where Ed Oliver may as well not have even dressed. That's the way I felt. And then he gets the contract extension this summer. And I never hated the contract because I know, you know, I, I follow enough now defensive tackles. I knew where it would stack up in relation to other tackles. And over the next two years, as some of these other guys got paid, he probably would end up being somewhere around the middle of the pack among good starting defensive tackles. So I never hated the contract, but I'm like, that's still a pretty big commitment for a guy who is a splashy player. But something has clicked for Ed Oliver this season because he's no longer, I don't like even saying he's a splashy player. Ed Oliver's becoming, or he's become a dominant player. You know, the first month of the season, Daquan Jones is healthy and Ed Oliver looks like he might be uh, a candidate for defensive MVP to league. I'm telling you, that's how good he's looked, especially with Daquan Jones there. Then Daquan goes down, I'm like, shit, man. Because historically, like last year, Ed Oliver was not the same player when Daquan Jones wasn't in the lineup. But Ed Oliver this year, he's been the truth. He's been the truth all season long. I can make an argument that Ed Oliver is the Bills' defensive MVP right now. With only two games left, he's the Bills' defensive MVP for 2023. And I'm even willing to hear a case, which I think would be very fair and very reasonable, that Ed Oliver might be the most consistently good player on the Buffalo Bills this entire season, offense or defense. You know, Stephon Diggs has been spectacular at times, and then he's had some disappearing acts. Josh Allen has played at an MVP level at times, and then he's had a couple really big stinkers. Ed Oliver has been great pretty much all season long. He has consistently brought it. He is a, a big asset to this defense, and the Buffalo Bills do not beat the Chargers without the efforts on Saturday night from Ed Oliver. So much love to him. Um, I mentioned Rasul Douglas. You know, it's almost like I can't mention Rasul Douglas without mentioning Brandon Bean because what a goddamn trade that turned out to be. What a trade that turned out to be. And I want to be careful saying this because I don't want to be disrespectful to, to Trey White. I'm a big Trey White guy. And I think Trey White, before the injury this year, got himself all the way back and was looking damn good. 
He was looking damn good the first month of the season. So I don't want to be disrespectful to him. That said, if you tell me that Rasul Douglas right now is an upgrade over even this season, first month of the year, Trey White, I don't think you get much of an argument from me. Now, having them both, Jesus, that would be sweet. But I just, Russell Douglas has just been a goldmine for the, for the Bills, man. What a trade by Brandon Bean. He has been borderline shut down corner, um, not really giving up big plays. He had a big sack on Saturday. A little bit, uh, you know, his tackling at times leaves something to be desired. I noticed he had a really shitty PFF grade. We'll talk about that maybe later in the week when it comes to tackling. But his overall presence, his ability to take away receivers, um, he allowed, by the way, he's targeted four times. He gave up two catches for 11 yards for the whole game, minus two yards after catch. So he ain't giving up shit. Also had a stack, like I said, or a sack. Just an absolute steal from Brandon Bean. And maybe it's paid off some already. And with the stretch coming and hopefully a playoff run for the Bills, Russell Douglas might turn out to be one of those, when you look back years from now, season-saving trades or potentially even one of those, Yo, this is going to go down as one of the better Bills trades in franchise history. I thought he was phenomenal on Saturday. And then the other guy, what more can I say about Teron Johnson, man? Um, he allowed just four catches, 19 yards, eight yards after catch. Looking at his stats right now, 84.0 coverage grade on PFF this week, 76.1 overall. You know, he's had a couple shaky games, a couple costly penalties. He's had some bad moments, a couple handful of bad moments throughout the season. But by and large, this guy's just a beast. He is a beast. I thought he was arguably the best player on the field against Dallas last week. And again, one of the best players on the field against the Chargers as well. He is one of the most underrated and one of the best, very best slot corners in the entire NFL. Can't say good enough or good enough things about him. So yeah, Teron Johnson, Rasul Douglas, Ed Oliver, so instrumental in the Bills um, winning this game. I thought they got pretty good complimentary defensive tackle play, actually, from uh, from Tim Settle. Tim Settle had the highest PFF grade of anybody on the defense, for what it's worth, Saturday night in um, in L.A. It was, uh, what, 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 I got to look it up, man. 82.5. Best grade of anybody on the defense. Puna Ford, who's barely even played this year. He got a sack. So he had a big play. Uh, Laval Joseph gave them a pretty solid uh, 24 reps on the day. So they held it down pretty well. And hopefully, uh, Daquan Jones will be back for the Bills on Sunday. And we'll talk about him more, like I said, throughout the week, uh, getting ready for a Patriots game coming up um, this weekend. So yeah, man, the defense, you know, they, they, they really bailed uh, the Bills out because the Bills lost the turnover battle 3-0. And they held the, what, the Chargers five times, I think? They got a field goal. If just one of those drives results in a, in a Chargers touchdown, different outcome to the game, man. Different outcome to the game. So, you know, we, we, we've we talked about Sean McDermott and what an embattled season this has been for him, good and bad. But his defense of late has really, really picked it up. Really good against the Chiefs. Great against Dallas. And money. Clutch here in LA in a must-have game against the Chargers. So, much love, much props to uh to the Buffalo Bills defense. Offensively, well, Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis showed up. Four catches, buck 30, a touchdown. You want to talk about a guy 
And trust me, this is coming from somebody who was in not one, but two fantasy football semifinal matches this weekend. Somebody who has Gabe Davis on not one, but both of his teams. And somebody who benched Gabe Davis on not one, but both of his football teams. And I'm paying the price for that. But, you know, that's the thing. How could you want to start him? Because he's done nothing of late. But then you get this Gabe Davis. And I remember one episode, I can't remember what show it was, or I would look it up and I would find the clip because quite frankly, it's a, a take that would make me look really good. I talked about Gabe Davis not doing shit, but then I said, you know what? That's okay. If they're going to run the ball effectively, if Stefan's going to have a big day or if Kincaid's going to have a big day or Shakir, whatever, you don't need to have that wide receiver to put up those big numbers, but there's going to be times throughout the season where you need Gabe Davis. And this was clearly one of those times. Because by the way, Stefan Diggs, I think he played only like 60% of the snaps. His production's down. They're not talking about it much, but I think Stefan Diggs is playing through some shit right now. And I think they're kind of limiting his workload at least a little bit right now. I don't know if it's one specific injury. I think he might have a couple nagging injuries that he's just toughing it out that he's playing through, which again, you know, two weeks left here. Hopefully that's a, a sound strategy getting him off uh, off the field because, again, he did not even play a lot on Saturday. But I think there's some shit going on with Stefan, some nagging injuries um, that hopefully, obviously, he gets through because they're definitely going to need Stefan Diggs. But anyway, Gabe Davis, four catches for a buck 30, a huge touchdown. Look at some of these numbers. Philly a couple weeks ago, six catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. And then the Jacksonville game in London, he had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. So that's three games I just rattled off where he had at least 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. Three games where Gabe Davis was a legit big weapon for the Buffalo Bills offense. Then you look at the other 12 games combined this year. Gabe Davis in those other 12 games, just 27 catches for 390 yards and four touchdowns. And again, that's in 12 games combined. He's had three games this year with no catches. He's had two games this year with just one catch, and he's had two games this year with just two catches. I think for at least the rest of the season and hopefully into the playoffs, obviously, this is what you're going to get from Gabe Davis. You are just as likely to get four catches for 110 yards and a touchdown, or you're just, you might get no catches, literally no catches for no yards, or maybe a catch for nine yards, something like that. You don't know what you're going to get from Gabe Davis, but kind of what I'm liking about this Bills team right now. You know, I, I don't like Stefan Diggs not producing big numbers. And I know to some that's worrisome. It's worrisome because he's your most productive offensive player. It's worrisome because, I mean, let's be honest here. There's at least maybe a little bit to worry about that if Stefan's not getting the ball, especially if they lose, that that's going to cause some shit. But what I do like is it's a way that they don't have to be as reliable. So if Stefan's not getting off or if the Bills are not running the ball down your throat like they certainly did against Dallas, you know, it's good to know that at least the potential is there for Gabe Davis to carry your offense, make a couple big plays and help win a football game. So I really don't give a shit what his overall season stats are. I really don't give a shit about the offseason and if the Bills are going to try to resign him. I don't want to think about that right now. Or if they do, what he's worth, what his contract might look like. Will what will another team pony up to sign him? I don't want to care. I don't care about any of that right now. I just want Gabe Davis 
to be that guy that if the Bills need him, because this probably won't be the last time that if the Bills are going to go far, that they're going to need something significant from Gabe Davis. And they got that on Saturday night, and that propelled uh, the offense. Big is probably the best player on the offense on Saturday night. Khalil Shakir, too. 45 yards, three catches, none bigger than that big third down catch on a ball that was behind him that helped uh, let the Bills run down the clock to almost the very end where they're able to kick the uh, the go-ahead field goal. So between, because I think it was the week before against Dallas where they got nothing, literally nothing between Shakir and Gabe. They got 175 yards against the Chargers between those two guys. So that's good complimentary football right there. Josh Allen, not the greatest game for him, but you know what? He was good when he had to be good when he had to be 15 to 21, 237 yards, great touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, ugly as shit interception. Um, maybe could have got a foot down the plant before he launched to Stefan Diggs, who was behind the guy, but it was an underthrow and an interception did run the ball twice for touchdowns, which by the way, he's the first player in the history of the NFL now to have four straight seasons of 40 combined touchdowns, rushing and passing. I tell you, and I got to give Matt Perino credit for this because he had the balls to go on Twitter over the weekend and say it. A lot of Bills fans were getting a little salty with Matt because Matt was being critical of Josh Allen, which Matt was 100% right. Josh Allen had some moments in that game, some stretches of that game where criticism was absolutely warranted. And it's Matt's job as a, as a journalist to point that out. It's not his job to be a cheerleader for the team or for the player. But anyway, Matt Perino said that in his opinion, he thinks Josh Allen might be the best player in the NFL. And if a te any team, you know, if you're going to start a franchise right now, he probably would be the first player picked. I'm still not quite convinced on that. I might still say Pabba Holmes, but I'll tell you this, if, if it's not Josh Allen at one, certainly top two or three for sure. Um, so yeah, he's a great player. Wasn't a great game, but when they had to have it, he, he gave that to him. And uh, again, this was a defensive powered win. And the offense just, you know, I almost said the offense, their only job was to not blow it. But again, when you turn the ball over three times, although that wasn't all the offense, uh, Deontay Hardy fumbled a punt. And, um, you know, that, that of course hurt him too. James Cook had a fumble. So one of the turnovers was on Josh. But anyway, my point was uh, he played pretty well. Uh, two things. On the downside, and I just mentioned one of them, uh, Deontay Hardy lost a fumble. Look, I think it's time to to cut ties with him. I don't know that they're going to cut him this late in the season, but I certainly could see, if not willing to bet right now, a scenario where uh, Andy Isabella, I don't know why the name drew a blank for me. But anyway, Andy Isabella should get elevated from the practice squad. I can see it happening for the last two games. If for no other reason, sure-handed to handle punt return, maybe kickoff return duty. And I think it's time for Deontay Hardy to, I think it's time to just cut your losses with him. He did have a couple of weeks ago, a really nice 25-yard uh, catch, a big play. But outside of that, I think this is his second fumble on a punt this year. Hasn't He hasn't been the player that Brandon Bean hoped. I mean, he was one of the Bills' very first free agent signings. They gave him pretty good money and shit's just not working out. It's not working out. So, whether you have Isabella up as as your returner and extra receiver, or I, mean, I don't know, maybe even Justin Shorter gets elevated at some point. I could see a, a, a demotion, whether it's a healthy and active, or worst case for him, just flat out being released. I'm about done 
with uh with Deontay Hardy. That's what I'm getting at. And speaking of, I I almost hate even talking about this anymore because it sounds like a broken record. And he did have a moment or two over the last couple of weeks where there might have been some promise. But I watched Von Miller play on Saturday night, and he plays 32 snaps, and to me, maybe 31 of those were useless snaps, just nothing. He's giving you nothing, and I'm at a point right now where if I'm Sean McDermott, I'm the Buffalo Bills, and I want to give my defense the best chance to succeed every single snap of the football game, I am highly considering shutting him down for the year. Shutting him down for the year because they're at a point right now. First of all, I think Kingsley Jonathan is better right now. He's not a better football player than Vaughn Miller, but he's a better football player than Vaughn Miller right now. So if you're going to play all these extra defensive ends, I play him first. Kingsley Jonathan had seven snaps on Saturday night, and he did more in those seven than Vaughn did on his 32 snaps. And A.J. Ebenezer missed the game with the ribs. He might be back next week. And the reason why I say I'm ready to give Vaughn Miller, a, a healthy scratch is because if you don't, you're going to be tempted to say, this is the week where I'm going to get the Vaughn Miller that I've been hoping for. Cause he's more than a year removed now from the ACL. Sean McDermott might be tempted to say, this is the week where I'm going to see Vaughn Miller explode. And then what you do is you're giving him those reps and he's taking some away from AJ Epinesa or even Shaq Lawson or hell, even Kingsley Jonathan right now. And I think he's the worst pass rusher, the worst edge defender of any player on this current roster as things stand right now. So if I'm Sean McDermott, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, and I got to start making some tough decisions now because now it's not, it's not feelings time. This is playoff push time. Literally. It's do or die. It's playoff push time. And Vaughn Miller's not helping this football team, man. He's just hurting them. So anyway, that's my initial thoughts on Bills Chargers. Just like I said, as a fan in me anyway, just gratitude that they were able to survive a game that I think that they, they lose in October. Lots of elements for a trap game, and that's exactly what it was. But the Bills survived and advanced uh, regardless. As I sign off here, as things stand right now, the Bills, look, on Sunday, it sucked that Dallas couldn't um, hold the lead and, and beat Miami. But a lot of good shit happened for the Bills, and they find themselves in really good shape right now um as we tape this anyway and i'm kind of looking at my phone as we tape this in relation to miami beating dallas so basically if you don't already know and a lot of you already know but next week miami's at baltimore that game is obviously huge for the buffalo bills let's go on the assumption that the bills beat the new england patriots if you're thinking division if the bill or if i should say if baltimore at home beats the miami dolphins then the bills go to Week 18 in Miami, and the Buffalo Bills are playing the Miami Dolphins, not for a wild card spot. They're playing them for the AFC East. So you, they're playing for the division. They're playing for a least at least one home playoff game if Baltimore can beat Miami. If Miami beats Baltimore, then Miami will clinch the division, and the Bills can only make it as a wild card. And there it is. I was, you know, I was talking and waiting on my phone. There's big news here as we sign off late on Monday. The Kansas City Chiefs, in stunning fashion, lost at home today, Monday, to the Raiders. And you're like, whoa, how does that affect the Bills? Well, 
Now that Baltimore-Miami game gets even bigger because here's what could happen, folks. If Baltimore beats Miami and then the Bills beat Miami to win the division, Kansas City now has six losses. If the Bills win out and if Miami beats Baltimore, the Buffalo Bills with a victory week 18 in Miami will end up the number two seed in the AFC. Yes, two. They could still be the two seed. They could still win the division and get the two seed in the AFC East if Baltimore beats Miami in Baltimore next week. So you want to talk about huge freaking stakes. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, if Baltimore beats Miami, and it might get flexed anyway, but if Baltimore beats Miami, you could bet the house that that Miami-Buffalo game is getting flexed to primetime in Week 18. But because Kansas City lost, that's their sixth loss. The Bills, if they went out, they would have six losses and they beat Kansas City head-to-head. Jacksonville, the AFC South, is guaranteed seven losses now. So the Bills could be the number two seed, man. They could not even just have one playoff game. If they can win that first game, they could be guaranteed to have two home playoff games. That's how big Baltimore at Miami is. Now, again, if Miami wins that game, they, you know, well, it's too early to talk about it because Baltimore hasn't played yet. But if they, because they play San Francisco and I'm already taping this, if Baltimore wins against Frisco, or if they lose, I should say, and then Miami wins, Miami could already have the one seed locked up and maybe they won't have nothing to play for in week 18. So it's too early to talk about that. We'll talk about that later in the week. But the big news is the number two seed all week long is going to be very much in play for the Buffalo Bills. And let's just even say if, you know, it doesn't work out that way and Miami beats Baltimore and Miami clinches the AFC East. If you're talking about the Bills and clinching a playoff spot and not even having to get to 18, um, two things need to happen for the Bills for that to happen. Two or three things. Either Jacksonville loses at home to Carolina and that's just not going to happen. And they need Cincinnati to lose at Kansas City, which sounds like a lock, but it ain't the lock that we think it is anymore because this Kansas City Chiefs team, I think, is on life support this season. They just got beat at home against the Vegas Raiders. But anyway, if Kansas City could beat Cincinnati and if Seattle at home beats the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills would actually clinch a wild card spot by beating the Patriots in Week 17. So that Week 18 matchup against Miami, whether it's for the division or not, maybe a little bit less stress because at least you know that the Bills are getting into the playoffs. But anyway, we'll talk about that throughout the week. Wow. I'm sitting here stunned at the end of this episode that the Kansas City Chiefs lost at home against uh, the Vegas Raiders. Did not see that coming. Good news, really good news potentially for the Buffalo Bills, which by the way, one last point, if the Bills make a wild card, Cleveland probably getting the five. The Bills almost certainly would be the six. And I think Kansas City probably is going to get that three seed because they also beat Jacksonville. So you could be looking at a Bills at Kansas City playoff game as well, just on the table. But anyway, we'll talk about that much more throughout the week. Not sure of guests yet and things like that because I'm kind of, you know, it's a holiday week, kind of getting all uh, the ducks in a pond here. But I will be back for sure with an episode uh, tomorrow. So have a good one. Talk to you then. <laughs>